Hey there, it's Mitch here. And before we get into today's episode, our spring membership drive has officially sprung and we've got one heck of a giveaway. When you make a donation in any amount to Vermont Public by March 16th, you'll be entered to win a new roof valued up to $15,000 thanks to Vermont Construction Company. Your support makes everything we do possible. Make a gift today so we can keep bringing you the trustworthy, reliable news you count on day in and day out. To make your gift, head to vermontpublic.org donate. And thanks. From Vermont Public, this is The Frequency. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. It's Friday, February 23rd. And here are today's headlines. Health Commissioner Dr. Mark Levine says it is time for public health officials to develop more pragmatic strategies to deal with COVID. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is proposing new recommendations for people who test positive for COVID, including ending a five-day isolation period when patients don't have a fever and show only mild symptoms. Levine says the proposed guidelines make sense because the vast majority of people have developed immunity to the virus, either through vaccinations or from being infected. Either way, uh, they have some combination of reasons that their immunity to the virus is different than it was when it first came on the scene. And so we have to acknowledge that um, when we're thinking about being more practical in our approach to this. The CDC recommendations are being reviewed by the Biden administration. It's been a wait of more than half a year, but Montpelier may soon have a downtown post office. The U.S. Postal Service is considering putting a temporary facility in the center of the city. Montpelier's post office was heavily damaged by the historic flooding in July. And since then, residents and businesses have not had access to full postal operations in town. During the wait, they've had to travel to East Montpelier or Barry for postal services. Sources confirmed to Vermont Public that a space at a four-story brick building known as City Center is now in the final stages of being evaluated as a potential site. Montpelier Mayor Jack McCullough says the restoration of a downtown post office is a critical part of the city's recovery from the July floods. We're now something like 80% or more of the businesses uh, back open downtown, and we shouldn't have had to wait this long for the for the post office. I'm, I'm glad it's happening. A formal announcement about the project is expected in the next few days. The Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department wants to distribute 180 moose hunting permits to help reduce the impact of winter ticks in the northeastern corner of the state. The Fish and Wildlife Board approved that number Wednesday at a meeting, and the proposal is now open for public comment. The department says moose birth rates are low in the northeast part of Vermont, and many calves don't survive their first winter because of ticks. Wildlife managers hope reducing the moose population will also curb the spread of the parasites. Fish and wildlife would like to harvest about 10% of the moose population in the northeast corner of the state. And Fish and Wildlife is proposing the same number of permits that was approved by the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Board in 2023. Every year as town meeting day approaches, a familiar debate resurfaces in communities across Vermont. How should residents cast their votes on local issues? Many Vermont towns hold on to the tradition of voting in person, also known as voting from the floor, Others switched to ballot voting during the pandemic and never looked back. Susan Clark is Middlesex's town moderator and the author of numerous books on local democracy. She's facilitated conversations in many Vermont towns about their town meeting day processes, 
Yesterday on Vermont Edition, Clark said switching to ballot voting does not necessarily lead to higher participation. I think sometimes we think, oh, you know, if we switch to ballots, everybody's going to participate. And uh, in fact, you know, across the nation, when we ask people about local issues, we rarely get higher than 25 percent turnout. And it's true in Vermont as well. Last year in towns that used the ballot system, the statewide average for voter turnout was just under 20 percent. Coming up. Burlington's sister city relationships in the Middle East run up against the political realities of the war between Israel and Hamas. That's after this. The Frequency is supported by MVP Healthcare, offering Medicare Advantage plans made for Vermont and guided by doctors. In partnership with the UVM Health Network. Info at uvmhealthadvantage.com. The city of Burlington has sister cities all over the world. Formal relationships between communities based around the idea that when people from different places get to know each other, they can better understand each other as well. Burlington has sister cities in Nicaragua, Mississippi, and Japan. And for the last 30 years, it has maintained what's known as a tripartite relationship with two cities in the Middle East, Bethlehem in the West Bank and Arad in Israel. But as the crisis in the region intensifies, a listener in Burlington got curious. What's possible for these programs today? Reporter Sabine Pooks answered that question for a recent episode of our podcast, Brave Little State. I think if the sister city relationship means anything, then it means a great deal to me, and I know it means a great deal to you. This, of course, is former Burlington Mayor Bernie Sanders, speaking in Burlington's first official sister city in Puerto Cabezas, Nicaragua, almost 40 years ago. It means that we believe that human beings on a face-to-face level are able to communicate with each other, are able to work out problems based on mutual respect, and that as Americans, we want our nation to be bold and brave, but not with guns and not with machine guns and not with napalm. Sister cities as a concept long predate Bernie Sanders' time in office. But in Burlington, it was the progressive mayor who brought the idea to the fore. He rejected his country's foreign policy and saw that policy as a local issue— After all, it was his constituents' money that was funding these foreign wars. From the start, these sister cities' relationships were somewhat subversive. Against the backdrop of the Contra War, Burlington sent humanitarian aid to Puerto Cabezas. The cities exchanged Little League teams, and Burlington donated 20 tons of materials, including medical supplies, which it shipped down by a barge in the midst of the U.S.'s trade embargo on Nicaragua. And then in the late 80s, Burlington added a second sister city in Yaroslavl, Russia. Reagan was telling us that that the Soviet Union is the evil empire. Peter Clavel was in Sanders' office at the time. And we said, well, there's certainly some serious uh, challenges that the people of the Soviet Union face. But let us better understand what those are by getting to know these people on on a one-on-one basis. You know, we felt that uh, things that were going on around the world were affecting the lives of the people in the city of Burlington. One of those people is Musa Ishak, a Palestinian man from the West Bank who lives in Essex Junction. So the whole idea here is to create Palestine in Vermont. The sunroom in his Vermont home is a tribute to his upbringing. And this is a lemon tree. So Chris built this room for me to be quiet during winter and not complain. (laughs) Chris is Musa's wife. 
They met when they were students in Cairo, Egypt, studying at the American University. And they moved to Vermont nearly a half century ago, when Musa got a job with IBM. Musa wanted his neighbors to learn about what it was like back home. He says there was a lot of excitement at the time about sister cities and citizen diplomacy. So along with a group of friends, Musa and Chris decided to adopt a Palestinian sister city. There were plenty of U.S. cities with sisters in Israel at the time, but as far as they could tell, a Palestinian sister would be a first. In 1990, they set out to find one and landed on Bethlehem, a Palestinian city in the West Bank, roughly the same size as Burlington, and both are college towns. The group brought their idea to the Burlington City Council. There was a lot of pushback. Some worried that adopting the proposal would amount to picking a side in the conflict or that it was too political. Ultimately, they landed on this. In addition to adopting Bethlehem as a sister city, they'd also adopt a sister city in Israel, a place called Arad. You know, it's compromise. You know, I believe in compromise. In 1992, the Burlington City Council passed a resolution approving the agreement. And a few years after that, mayors and representatives from all three cities met in Burlington to shake hands and make it official. The Sister City Committee in Burlington has been meeting every month for three decades. Over the years, they've hosted Israeli and Palestinian speakers and provided forums and film screenings to spark discussion about the conflict. They also sponsored an after-school program in Arad and sent money to hospitals in the West Bank. And for a few years, they also sponsored students to attend a summer camp that brought people together from all three cities. It sounds like you sort of see it as, like, on a large scale, education and people-to-people interaction and, you know, people learning and changing their minds and understanding, eventually, that could change the tide. Yes. But that sounds like a slow, a slow process. Yeah, it is. It is. It has been 30 years, and if we, if we had any illusions of first uh, producing goodness, we would have been disappointed a long time ago. There have been challenges. Burlington has lost touch with Arad, its sister city in Israel. Musa and Chris wonder if that's because the government there has gotten much more conservative. And that points to a tension underlying this sister city's relationship. The Burlington Committee says it refrains from engaging in political advocacy, But when the people in our sister cities are so impacted by the politics, what does being apolitical even mean? I mean, we say it's not political, but everything you do with with Palestine or Israel is political. One example, shortly after two Palestinian-American students and one Palestinian student were shot in Burlington last November, Musa and Chris wanted their sister city committee to issue a statement. To express our sympathy towards the families and to the students, and also ask for a ceasefire. The ceasefire was an issue. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, so we didn't... We decided that we needed consensus, and we didn't have consensus, so we didn't issue the statement. Hmm. Which is sad. Was it disappointing? Yeah. We were disappointed that we could not issue a statement. You know, all we are asking for is ceasefire to stop killing civilians. That one was a little surprising. We were, we were surprised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was sad, but we don't give up. Mm-hmm. Because when we started, it was much more contentious. <laughs> much more difficult. Much more difficult. If it was easy, we would not have started it. But uh, we just have to keep working on creating progress. Thank you.
For Vermont Public, I'm Sabine Pooks. That was an excerpt from a recent episode of Brave Little State, our podcast answering questions about Vermont that have been submitted and voted on by listeners. You can hear the rest of this episode about sister cities at bravelittlestate.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to The Frequency today. We had additional reporting from Bob Kinzel, Abigail Giles, and Michaela LaFrac. Our executive producer is Kevin Trevelin, and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. Talk to you tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.